Okay, time for our fortnightly dose of Australian property prattle with our friend and colleague Emma Duffy, editor of Your Investment Property Magazine. G'day, Emma. Thanks for joining us again on hey. the Savings Tip Jar. Thanks for having me again. Hi. Cool. So we understand, uh, you know, there's a rather controversial Airbnb uh, new levy that's come into effect and um, yeah you're here to give us a good dose of uh, property chat this week. Yeah so in case you guys missed it, um, in an Australian first, Victoria will start taxing short stay accommodation platforms like Airbnb and stays with a 7.5% levy from January 1, 2025. Mm. That levy will apply to short-term accommodation um, platforms revenue and that money will then go towards building more social housing in Victoria. Mm. Um, the Victorian Premier Dan Andrews made the announcement last week as part of Victoria's housing statement, um, a policy document aimed at tackling the root of the housing problem, which is supply. Um, so since Airbnb launched in Australia in 2012, it's had over 350,000 Australian properties listed for short stays, including 36,000 in Victoria right now, which means these places are not available to rent for average Victorian residents. Meanwhile, here in Queensland, um, the Greens Party is proposing a 1,000% council rate surcharge on investment properties that are rented out of short-term accommodation for more than 45 days. So that works out to be an extra $10,000, which I think is pretty ridiculous, personally. Um, and a lot of property investors are also up in arms over this. Um, but before we get into that side of things, I wanted to just dive into how Airbnb sort of started versus where it is today. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so Airbnb was launched in 2008 as an online marketplace for short and long-term stays. The name is actually short for Air Bed and Breakfast and the original concept of it started out as people with spare bedrooms or granny flats had a platform where they could advertise their rooms and make a bit of money mm -hmm. out of them and the hosts were present and they usually acted as like an informal tour guide to the city. So you sort of felt like a bit of a local mm -hmm. if you were interstate or overseas. Today though, it's completely morphed into a massive commercial enterprise with apartment blocks being built solely to be rented out as Airbnbs and there's good housing stock getting snapped up by investors who can make more money by renting out a property per night rather than by the month. Even the CEO of Airbnb agrees that the platform has lost its way. In um, a recent right. interview, he said that it was never about empty homes. It was about people staying with each other. So, you know, it's really gone from that original concept of it being, you know, where you stay with local people and you have that sort of feel of being a local in a new city to being this massive, you know, commercial enterprise that's so far away from what it was originally intended for. Mm. So back to the Vic Levy, um, the Victorian Levy, the idea behind it is obviously to encourage investors to take these properties off the short stay market and put them back on the long term market or sell them. Um, and then also to use the funds generated from the levy to go towards building more social housing. Now, the main argument against this levy is that Airbnbs contribute little to the rental problem and people argue that the 7.5% levy will just get passed on to tourists. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, if Airbnb's, you know, charging 100 bucks a night, yeah. it'll just be go up to $107.50 a night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> even, I mean, even Airbnb says that levy is too high. And that's it's the highest in the world, I believe, yeah. on short-stay accommodation. No other country in the world has, has a levy that high. Yeah, well, they said that it should be between 3 and 5%, which is in line with other countries um, around the world. I've personally found it kind of hard to know 
where I stand on this issue. Um, I'm a renter, so I've got skin in that game. But at the same time, I'm the editor of a property <laughs> magazine, mm. so that puts me in a bit of an interesting it's position good. sometimes. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I think it does need some regulation, but I accept that regulation alone isn't going to solve the whole rental crisis for this country. So short-term rentals make up between 1% and 2% roughly of housing stock in Australia. Um, it's higher in touristy coastal areas mm. like Byron Bay, which is sort of the poster child for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not the sole cause of the whole country's rent crisis, but it's definitely a contributing factor and it is definitely exacerbating the problem in areas where there's already um, a shortage. So Real Estate Institute of Queensland, they did a report about a month ago and they said that Airbnb is not the cause of the rent crisis and that supply is the issue. But in that same report, they said there were over 19,000 short-term rentals in Queensland and 11,000 of those are used permanently as Airbnb. So I'm a bit confused as to how REIQ can say that supply and not Airbnbs is the problem. Yeah, when, come up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when, when Airbnbs are taking away from that supply, I mean, that link is pretty pretty clear to me. Mm. So, you know, other countries, other cities around the world have regulated it pretty successfully. You just look at New York City, mm-hmm. for example, a lot of other countries are restricting the number of nights that um, Airbnbs can be rented out per year. So like 45 okay. days, 90 days per year. Some of them also have levies like um, Victoria, but obviously much, much lower. Um, the other big argument that's going around is that investors will argue that the government shouldn't be allowed to say what they can and can't do with their properties. But I think if there's a problem with the way that it's being used and it's impacting on the locals, I think the government should be able to step in and regulate it a little bit, which I know is going to be an unpopular opinion. But. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, popular with some people, but yeah, um, yeah some people are, you know, I, I tend to sort of lean towards in, in the camp where usually against kind of government intervention unless there is a clear market failure. Now, whether this constitutes a market failure is up for debate. I mean, uh, you know, some things showing that obviously there are significant numbers of Airbnb properties sitting uh, vacant that could be rented out. But and personally, you know, um, oh been on Airbnb since 2013 and like and, and back then it was way different in scope like it's mm. as what was mentioned before where it was just like staying in someone's spare, spare room, room. and you can still do that Get but it's local be like a, yeah. a replacement for full accommodation or whatever and um and just personally too I've, I've noticed that um there's like for a single traveler maybe there's not really many compelling reasons to stay in an Airbnb now like hotels often cheaper mm. um and probably better located as well and there's no like weird rules like you know you can't you know scream at you know 10 p.m or whatever and there's no like with a hotel you just rock up to reception and you can just get a key at Mm. the the night and you're right there whereas like some airbnbs i've had to do a bloody runescape quest to find the key and (laughs) runescape whatever man i haven't heard of that since 2004. what i found too um is that airbnb is often like scapegoated um as being you know this problem and it's a it's a convenient way for governments to kind of put the blame on something else oh yeah just address the actual issue and band-aid and like over a uh, crack in the wall dan andrews here you know he, he announced this whole sort of housing package as well as this tax and this tax is the only thing that gets all the headlines so um he has a goal to well the victorian government has a goal to build eight hundred thousand new homes in the next 10 years which is pretty ambitious um so we'll see if that actually 
comes to fruition. Um, and there's also going to be a concentration of approval powers. So he's taking some of these powers away from councils um, for certain developments and giving them to the planning minister, the state planning minister. Um, and there's also going to be less uh, sort of red tape around building four and five storey apartments and um, and uh, there's no longer going to be planning permits required for single homes um, on lots up to 300 square metres and uh, you won't need a planning permit to build a granny flat. So uh, he's kind of using red tape in other areas and but it's the tax that you know gets all the headlines so even though it's going to be a small portion like mm. it was in the Airbnb um, an extra seven bucks a night isn't going to be much, especially when you know if you go on Airbnb these days like um, there's so many different taxes and there's a cleaning fee and all that other crap so mm. it's, it's going to be lumped in with that and you're not mm. going to really know you're even paying it especially if you're from another country so yeah to me it's just a yeah yeah. yeah well like you said that um, you know that Airbnb levy is getting all the headlines but perhaps those other little changes those kind of more boring regulatory red tape reduction changes will be the ones that actually more significantly address the problem um it is a very ambitious goal and is you know talk is cheap it's so easy to to say yeah we're going to do this in 10 years uh and then you know whether it happens or not time will tell to you but as for the airbnb stuff you know i've used airbnb in the past but you know what i'll I'll put my hand up in a minute when i go on airbnb looking for property i tick the filter entire place to yourself i i just i i know airbnb was initially started with like hey rent out your spare room and stay with the local i don't know they're scary you don't know what they're like they could be a weirdo Um, so maybe we're all part of the problem here where we've got to stop ticking entire place but who doesn't want an entire place yourself you know I mean even when I've ticked that filter and I've ended up landing on a place where it'll be entire place yourself but it's just a little granny flat that's just off from the main house so you still have a bit of interaction with the owners like it's awkward it's like oh hey how you doing and they kind of stick around for a while like showing you how the kettle works you're like okay thank you no I know but then you know the I mean, like anything, there's pros and cons to opting for Airbnb over a hotel. I mean, I'm trying to plan a little bit of a, you know, I mean, it's cringy to say, but a little baby moon uh, before the child we got on the way comes uh, for like around November. Um, and, you know, we know with an Airbnb, obviously it's uh, it's not as much service. You don't have room service or anything like that. We're thinking, hey, we want like a really, really lazy holiday where it's like buffet breakfast every morning. There's like room service at the touch of a button. Um, there's a nice pool area. You can just lounge around by. There's a spa attached. So we're actually thinking, you know, instead of going the usual route, opting for an Airbnb, which is what we usually want, we actually kind of think we want to go with a hotel. There's the, all the full service, all the bells and whistles. Um, but then... And there's the other critics around the the levy here that uh, is this just propping up the hotel industry, you know? Anyway, there's so much to talk about in that space in so little time. So let's just move on to a different topic. So um, I think it just generally, Emma, if you can just give us a general update on what's happening in the wider property market. I mean, I heard it was a pretty busy end to winter for new property listings. Yeah, it was. It was actually the busiest end to winter in a decade um, for new property listings, which is really exciting. So... Um, according to realestate.com.au, their um, national new listings were up 20.5% month on month Whoa. in August, which is a 4.1% increase on this time last year. Um, so Sydney and Melbourne led most of that surge with new listings up 18% in Sydney and 20% in Melbourne compared to this time last year. Um, and it's all due to selling conditions and property prices improving um, as opposed to late 2022. So. 
Um, yeah, I know it's, it'll be an interesting mm. season. Sure. Well, I wonder if it was also maybe the um, kind of unseasonably warm weather we had at the at the end of winter throughout many parts of the country. I remember that, yeah, we started heating up a lot quicker before spring had officially started. Yeah. And that's naturally what starts the spring selling season is the warmer weather, warmer. people are more willing to get out and about looking at property, mm-hmm. going to auctions. Uh, maybe people are thinking, hey, you know what, the weather's looking pretty good. I think spring has, you know, unofficially started yeah. now. It's funny because Australia's still pretty warm, I imagine doing it in like Minnesota like minus 40 oh gee whiz yeah I can't even picture that yeah in the middle of a blizzard and it's like do I hear 150 do I hear 200 300 yes anyway Uh, well yeah thanks so much for that market update Em Uh, we'll talk to you next time so that's Emma Duffy editor of Your Investment Property Magazine and don't forget you can sign up for free to receive this magazine every other month all you have to do is visit yourinvestmentpropertymag.com.au slash magazine and click join now Uh, there you'll be asked to complete a two minute survey Um, and by by simply completing this uh, short survey about yourself and what you would like us to cover in the digital magazine website and emails you can receive exclusive member benefits including uh, downloading the Yip uh, digital magazine for free Um, we've got a new edition coming out uh, this week I believe Emma the October edition Um, and you can also receive exclusive content market sentiment reports research and more um, all within uh, that magazine uh, you can also participate in member-only surveys where you'll get uh, exclusive insights into what fellow investors are thinking at the moment, um, as well as access exclusive opportunities, invitations, offers, and more. So join now. It's free. And yeah, just a two-minute survey. You can get all that. Sounds like it's worth it. Thanks, Em. Cheers. Yes, thanks.